0: Out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we is stoned, immaculate. Hello and welcome. This is the C86 show. I'm David Eastor. As you know, we love a special guest. This week it's going to be the turn of the writer, author, and traveller. It's the one and only Inga Kayat, who are probably mispronounced slightly, but she's just brought a book out the summer of 2023, titled Band Fans friends' music, memoirs of a post-punk fan. And her love and obsession with the 80s, but especially with the ComSat Angels. So you're going to find out much more about the book and her life story in this interview. So after several minutes of interest and but casual chat, we get down to that exciting subject that was the early formative years. Inga, it's over to you.
1: Well, I basically just watched um, Top Topop, which is the Dutch version of Top of the Pops, really. And um, I watched it, you know, really every week. Um, I sat there 10 minutes before it started and listened until it finished and didn't have any money, so I couldn't buy any singles. But I did try to record stuff on tape from TV and and all that. And, um, well, my parents didn't exactly encourage music in the house. So I had to make do with what I could sort of illegally tape because I was not supposed to spend my pocket money on music.
0: Oh, right. That was quite, that was quite severe. I mean, you because I sort of um, grew up in a sort of working-class family and for, for a period we didn't have a record player, but then, you know, slowly we started getting these things, luxuries in the 70s. I remember a record player appearing and getting a couple of albums appeared, one being The Carpenters, which was interesting, another one being Roger Whitaker, And then, like I said, my brother was very into music and so I was obsessed with him. But buying records at that period were really quite a big thing. You had to save up at least 80 pence and then buy a single. That was was when David Bowie appeared in my life. So with your parents, were they just not into music or were they actually quite anti-music and art?
1: Well, my mum just, didn't care about music. My dad did, but he was more into jazz and stuff. And I really didn't like jazz. And he, there was one transistor radio in the house, which was in my dad's room. And so I was really not exposed to anything. So when um, I did discover the um, the Dutch uh, Top of the Pops, um, I did want to buy stuff, but I had to sort of sneak around a bit and save money and pretend it was for something else it sounds a bit strange I really (laughs) had nice parents but they didn't understand it I mean my my mum and dad both were always like oh well pop music it's a phase by the time you're 25 you're going to listen to classical music like you should you know
0: absolutely yes yes proper yeah, and did you, at that stage I mean, did you have any friends who were also very keen on music or was it one of these slightly solitary obsessions that you, you just had to do go through on your own?
1: Well, I had a few friends at school who sort of did the same thing like me. We both we all watched TV uh, when music was on but most of us didn't have older brothers or sisters so you know, if you didn't buy your, your LPs yourself, there was no way of listening to things. And one of my friends did have an older sister, and I did go around to her house and we'd listen to her sister's records. But they were mostly, you know, seventies um, American rock like like Eagles or Ario yes. um, Speedwagon or whatever or
0: Foreigner, you know. yes, Jefferson Airplane. No, not Jefferson yeah. Airplane. Ario Speedwagon. yeah. Well, you. Yes, Journey. Yes. That was Journey, which which was the yes. big one.
1: Yeah. Yes. But of course, what I did discover was Neil Diamond, and I completely fell for Neil Diamond for some strange reason. I yes. think I heard it at a school party or something, but I thought that was beautiful. So that was my first love, really.
0: Yes, absolutely. I think he wrote I'm a Believer, didn't he? And. um mm-hmm. Yes, which we all grew to love, but didn't realise he'd written it for years. So look, when you got to 16, this was probably 1979. In the UK, this was a big, you know, the 70s had been quite grim for the UK. But then we had, you know, Thatcher came into power. So we had this conservative Mm -hmm. government. Then the next year, there was the Falkland War. Then there was um, the miners strike. There was lots of kind of grief, really. But then there was also the rise of the New Romantic and the yuppie and people like that. So what was your kind of... Late teen period, because 16, we we would leave, be leaving school or going to sixth form. What did you do yeah. at this stage?
1: Well, um, for some strange reason, there were always, and still are, I think, English bands that England doesn't like, but Holland does. And my first uh, proper band that I, I followed and really had to sort of collect everything of uh, record-wise was an English band called Fisher Z. Oh, yes. Which, if I say that to English people, they usually go like, ugh, you know. But in Holland, they were really, really popular and they're really in the top ten in the charts. And um, I really loved them. So I I got all their records and singles and theirs was my first proper gig that led to everything after.
0: Yes, absolutely. That's that's a classic. Did you go to university and um, stay in Holland or did you sort of move around at that stage?
1: Oh, no, no. I've always lived in Holland. I've always stayed in Holland. In fact, I was born in a town and I lived there again. I was out of it for a bit. But I'm sort of... um, I always like to stay put, basically. Um, But I did... um, After um, secondary school, I went to university and I studied English literature. And that meant, because I hadn't been to to England yet that my, t- my uh, teacher said, uh, you know, you can't study English literature if you've never been to the UK, so go to the UK. So from that moment on, I did. And then, you know, I discovered English bands, and that was the start of, well,
0: the book. Really. The book, yes, the book kind of starts in 81, doesn't it? Did you, at that say? did you come to England on a sort of long holiday or to study for several years?
1: No, I never studied in England. I always studied here in Holland. So uh, I I only went to, to England to see bands, really. And the first time I went to go sightseeing in London. But after that, for years and years and years, I went to London four or five times a year to go to all the small clubs and see all the you know the starting bands
0: or the new wave bands yes which was a kind of a glorious period really so how did you what? manage to make that because at that time um we didn't have the internet obviously um and seeing these little bands which were quite you know quite sometimes quite avant-garde or quite a sort of um mm. sort of scratchy sound sort of interesting lyrics but sometimes a bit dark and weird did you did you, yes. uh, you Quickly and easily fall in love with with the sound of the kind of some of the bands that you've mentioned at the beginning of the book.
1: Absolutely, it it really I don't know it it feels like I was bewitched by the first band I liked, and after that, sort of, you know, the door was open, and I just started to, you know, try everything out, really. And um, I went to um, my first proper gig at the Paradiso in Amsterdam. And um, there I met people, new people, who were in the same stage as I was. And we sort of, you know, everybody discovered something and we all passed on our discoveries to our friends and somebody you know heard a song or an album and said oh that band is coming over let's go and you know the next time it was one of the other friends who discovered something so we were on a big journey of discovery but basically the rule was it had to be New Wave and it had to be from the UK
0: Right, well that's, uh, that's slightly narrow is it Narrow It narrows it down slightly. But then at the same time, what I've discovered, um, especially during this show, is that there are so many bands that sort of blossomed during the 80s period that, um, oh, yeah. yes, trying to keep a, a track of it all is quite impossible because it, it's it's a never-ending journey. So which was the, the kind of English band that you fell in love with in particular?
1: Well, like I said, the first one was Fisher's Ed that I really liked. Um, And after that, I discovered a band, which I still think is absolutely brilliant, called Modern Eon, who unfortunately only made one album. And I just I just love that album. And I had thought if they ever, you know, I saw them in Holland twice during one tour. And I really thought I would go and follow them for the rest of my life. And then they broke up. And that was the end of modern eon which was not exactly how i planned it but um also there i met people who told me about other bands and you know it's 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 really a, a journey of of people discovering things and passing it on to their friends who also discover things and you know the, the 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 scale gets bigger and bigger, really.
0: Yes, and when you kind of reflect back on the musical journey that you've had, or possibly still having, because because mostly, and and listen to people, interviews with people, and reflecting on my own sort of, I suppose, journey as well. I know David Bowie, who, who was born 1947, and Lemmy from Motorhead, also born 1947. They always, when asked, you know, their musical influences, that was always, there was Little Richard, then there was Elvis Presley, then there was Buddy Holly, Eddie Cochran. So it was that kind of the music from your, basically when you were 16, 17, that's the music that you stick with. Did you, did you find, with you, this musical journey in the 80s, did you find yourself having a point where, you just thought, actually, I'm not that bothered about it anymore.
1: Not in the '80s, no.
0: No, but no, But how long did it last for you in the '80s? Did it? Did it? Did you, looking back, did you sort of think, oh yeah, that was the year where, you know, suddenly I wasn't sort of so consumed with music.
1: No, I've. I've. I'm, I still go to gigs a lot, and I still. I mean, the, the bands have changed, obviously, because a lot of the bands that I used to like have split up. And I can't go and see them, but if I could, I I still go everywhere. Yes, you know, in in well, you know, your your musical taste. In my case, doesn't change so much, but what's on offer changes, so therefore your musical taste changes.
0: Well, yeah, I just noticed with, you know, I suppose a lot of people, myself included, is that we just don't quite keep the energy and enthusiasm looking for the next band as we did when we were younger. Part of that is just because other things happen. Also, I used to sort of be obsessed with John Peel, the DJ from the Mm -hmm. UK, who was always very good at introducing us to these incredible bands and then you'd go wow that's brilliant thanks John but when he passed away I didn't really know where to go to find that next band and it just all feels a bit hopeless in a sea of sounds and you think oh well I've kind of I've lost that kind of guide really, so um, the gatekeeper so I just wondered how you managed <laughs> yeah. to keep that yourself and whether things like John Peel, the new Musical Express, Melody Maker Sounds were they mm-hmm. were they places that you went to um, find music or was it mostly word of mouth?
1: Well mostly word of mouth and also if bands split up and they, the band members started another band, I would go and see them, so you sort of travel with them and, and you know, so if, if in the 90s Someone who I liked in the 80s started a new band or joined a new band, then I would go and follow them basically. Yes. So um, um, I sort of, well, I say nowadays went with the flow.
0: Yes. Well, that's it's when you're young, it's always a good mantra. Now, with the so you wrote a book. This book has just come out, which is a fascinating journey. When did you decide? To write a book and and this kind of absolute absolute kind of dedication to the Comsat Angels. When did this happen?
1: Well, the dedication has always been there, but the, the decision to write a book actually only happened in January of this year. Last year, I had no idea that I would write a book. It sort of dropped from the sky, really. Yes. Um, not, without an actual plan or intention, I just. I don't know. I had nothing to do on a rainy Sunday afternoon. And I thought, what shall I do? And I thought, I'm going to write a book about the concepts. God knows why, but I did. And I thought, well, it depends on if I can, you know, if I dig through all my old stuff, I can find things to use, then I'll do it. And if I can't find anything to base the book on, then... Oh, well, it was a nice idea. But I discovered tons and tons of old letters that I kept from me to the confidentials and from band members from the, the concerts to me. And I discovered this old treasure of stacks and stacks of old diaries, which I started writing when I was 16. And they were so very detailed <laughs> that I read them and I thought... Well, that's the book then. I don't really have to do very much because I did it all along in all those years that I followed them.
0: Yes, it's quite extraordinary. I don't think that many people would have had quite as many detailed, you know, letters, thoughts and and sort of ability to have kept all those diaries. So when you yeah. found them, did you, I mean, this was only 42 years ago. Were, yeah. they, were you kind of aware of them or had you thought, oh, yes, I remember this. But, I, oh, wow, that's quite amazing.
1: Well, I I started reading, and a few times I thought, oh yeah, you know, now that I read it, it all comes back to me. And a few times I read it, and I thought, was I there? Well, it is my handwriting, so I must have I must have been there, but I can't remember. But the longer I I you know I I kept reading and reading and typing everything out and thinking about it, and the longer I was working on the book, the more came back so all those memories that were hidden somewhere in my big toe apparently traveled back to my brain and you know after after a few months of working on the book i can actually remember what i read in my diaries so yeah
0: yes it it
1: was a great find but it and also all the months that i was writing i i was 18 again and 20 again and and it was the 80s again and i i you know, I I worked on the book and I shut off my computer and I went downstairs and I was really surprised to find where I was in the 21st century almost because I was really, you know, I was just living those those diaries again.
0: Yes, absolutely. I mean, it is extraordinary. And looking and just kind of, I've, I've um, been sort of flicking through the, through the book. Um, and what... I'm just so for the listener, is it the case then it's all your diary or have you added pieces in, you know, when you were sort of editing it together to sort of.
1: No, I did leave things out, which I thought were too personal and too private. Yes. But basically it is like 75, 80 percent of my diary is in the book. So you know, I left out a few details or a few. Oh yeah,
0: that's fine. But so so basically, there's nothing that you've added. You know, like thought. Oh, no. so so you've really done no, no. this is all your diary. Oh yeah, I kind of expected a few things to be left out, but I didn't realise that it was literally everything from 1981 onwards. So um, that's amazing. You must have been absolutely transfixed with seeing and hearing what you were doing at that time.
1: Well, you know, usually when I went to see a gig, uh, I came home and I couldn't sleep because I was so excited still and all the adrenaline was flowing. And I thought, you know, I have to get this out of my system. I have to write it down because otherwise I have no chance of sleeping. So that's basically why I wrote it down, to give myself a bit of, you know, a bit of peace. But, um, I always liked writing. I've always liked writing. I've, I've been writing my entire life. Yes. If I went on holiday, I I wrote letters to my friends, which were sometimes 24 pages A4, you know, from two weeks of holiday. So I'm a writer sort of in my bones.
0: (laughs) Yes, well, absolutely. I mean, I guess um, everyone says it's important to have a journal. I think that's something that everyone's recommended. Did you, um, with the book, one of the, you know, it's it's a fascinating story, um, but also, the, the photographs are stunning. Are these all your personal ones, or or are they other... You know, did you manage to get other ones um, from other places?
1: No, no, they're basically all mine, or my girlfriend's, or, you know... I mean, the people that I went to the gigs with, anyway. Because the first few years, I didn't have a camera, but one of, one of the friends I went with, she did, so they're her pictures, really. Yes. But... Um, No, unless it says in the book the name of a photographer, it's by me or by my friends. So they're all pictures that nobody's ever seen.
0: Yes, absolutely. So when you, you know, sat there writing this up and reliving 1981 to... The late eighties. Did um, did you show this to anybody, or did you? I mean, obviously, you know, you edited stuff out, but did you? Did because your friends would be absolutely boggled. And also, did you? And have you sent it to the, the to the band? Yep,
1: yep. In fact, um, I asked them along the way because um, as I'm Dutch and my diaries are in Dutch, I started writing the book in Dutch, yeah. and first I just did it for fun, but then. There was a point where I thought, I might get this published, you never know. It's sort of a unique story, because who has a friendship with the band for 40 years, even if you live in different countries, and the band doesn't exist anymore, and you're still friends with them. Yes. So that's kind of special. So I thought I should um, translate everything I've written so far and send it to the band members so they can read it, and they could possibly say, you know, we don't like this, stop this, you can't publish it because we don't agree, or maybe you could add something, or leave something out, or maybe that's not right, or this is not how it was. You know, I wanted feedback from them, and approval. Yes. And... uh, well, I did, not all not all the band members read it, but a couple did, and they were really supportive. And they also came up with ideas of maybe you can write something about this, or don't forget to mention so and so, mm, and this bit maybe chuck it out because it's no one's business, you know. <laughs> but um, it it wasn't that much. They 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 didn't censure it really. I mean, basically they said, yeah, that's you know that's fine. Keep going in the way you're going, and. Um, you know, if if you've got near the finishing point, let's read it again and see what you've done. And I showed them and they said, Yeah, fine. So that was it really.
0: Fantastic. And was it the four core core members of the band that you kept in touch? I mean, I know the line up slightly changed. Stephen yeah. isn't Mick, yeah. Kevin and Andy. Did you send it to yeah. all the other people who've played in the band? I, I,
1: I sent it to three of the original members. I'm not in contact with Kevin Bacon, so I couldn't send it to him. But I did send it to um, his replacement, Terry Todd. So um, it was still four Comsat's who um, were able to um, read it and comment.
0: and Stephen and and, um, Andy also read it, and Mick. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. And you've, I mean... It is. It is the most extraordinary thing I've ever sort of read. Actually, I mean, it's just such a beautiful thing. I mean, um, yeah, it must have been quite boggling actually for them as well that you you were such a fan. So when you became a, a friend of the band, did that did that feel quite extraordinary at the time?
1: Um. Well, yes and no, because. Um Every gig I went to, I mean, really, every gig I went to, I ended up in the dressing room because I always wanted to meet the band that I'd just seen Uh, because I was always very curious what kind of person makes this music. So I was always sort of interested in in the person behind the music. So I always wanted to meet every band that I'd just seen. And as I followed, you know, bands that were starting out or weren't that famous yet, um, I could, because there was no one to stop me and no one at that, uh, the backstage door saying, what are you doing and where are you going? Everybody just, you know, I don't know, nobody cared. The venues didn't care or the, the roadies of the band didn't care. You could just walk into a dressing room. So I did. So I basically, I, I had beginnings of this kind of friendship with lots of bands, but the Comsats are the only band that I sort of maintained the friendship with because the other bands, uh, we sort of lost touch or they stopped and I never heard from them again, you know. So it it could have been another band, basically, that I was writing about. But it turned out to be the Comsats because, well, we really got on. And, um, um, well, and they came over, like, all the time. They were, you couldn't, you know, you couldn't drive them out of Holland, because they are always here, so the friendship developed fast. Because they they did four tours a year sometimes.
0: Yes, absolutely. I think I think a lot of people. I know a lot of. I suppose especially a lot of punk and the narco punk bands, particularly like Holland, because there was a, you have a band called the X, who seems yep. to be particularly sort of um, a centre. For sort of gravitational pull for a lot of people, actually, don't they? So, um, and I think I guess there's a good live circuit as well. I think with the UK, there's a very good, there was anyway, a very good live circuit of people being able to just to get in a transit van and go around the country because every city and town had a an indie night of some description. So, when the band obviously, I mean, you know, they they have a bit of a moment, don't they, where they break up and then reform. During that period, was it your intention to keep in touch with them, or did you? Was it just kind of by chance?
1: No, 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 because about two years... um, Sorry, I'm sorry. um, I completely misunderstand the question. After they broke up, yeah, because we already formed a habit of going over to Sheffield, where they lived, and, you know, spending a couple of days there. My friend and I went over every year for a week and um, sort of hung out with band members, and at that point, it wasn't even connected so much to music anymore. It was just friends, visiting friends in England, really. So um, it, it started off with, with music, but it continued without the music because we found other things we had in common and things we liked to do. And um, so, yeah, it, uh, the fact that the band stopped didn't make any difference in that respect. Yes. I mean... I, I wish they'd never stopped, but it didn't make a. It didn't make me not want to see the people anymore.
0: No, absolutely. And did you? Um, I mean, I'm just thinking. I know this is a bit of a corny question, but um, <laughs> there's a few actually. I've suddenly got in my brain. Um, if you were to pick your top three songs of the band, which which ones would you go for?
1: <laughs> oh dear. That's, that's unfair.
0: Um, <laughs> I know. It was a bit of a bad one. Um, right?
1: I, can't, I can't give you a, a, a three, two and one, but I'll name three songs that I particularly like. Yes. I, I've always liked Pictures very yeah. much from the Fiction album. Um, um, I like Demon Lover from the 90s. And I'd say um, Our Secret of the second album.
0: Oh, secret! Oh, I, uh, I'm always kind of curious because sometimes people have the most obscure B-side, and you think, "Oh, I never really played that one that much." But oh, yeah. um, so it's well, always well,
1: you know, I I I would prefer you'd ask me to give you the top fifty. Then we'd get going. <laughs> <Three>. <laughs> it's
0: impossible, yeah. So, did you? I mean, with with the book again, just coming back to it and putting it together, obviously incredible detail about your your sort of love of the band. Were you also at that stage though? um obsessed with other ba- the other kind of bands that were sort of on the circuit at that stage
1: um yeah yeah there were lots of bands that i liked there was an english band also called the fix
0: Two yeah.
1: exist and that's also a band that england didn't like but holland did and uh, i liked them too and um every time they came over i went to see them yeah definitely and um, there's a, a London band called Sad Lovers and Giants, which I really, really liked. Um, yes. Well, I liked early Simple Minds very much. You must have noticed that while reading the book. Yeah. And like... um, not so much after they became um, famous, but before their big, th- big, big, big breakthrough, I really liked Simple Minds too. But um, I liked, yeah, I liked all sorts of things, even. Um, well, my mind goes blank, obviously, but I liked most of the bands that are at the front of the book that I mentioned yes. that I...
0: Yes, I was looking at that list, which is quite comprehensive.
1: Yeah. I sort of... I'm, I'm the kind of person, if I like something, I want more of it. So if I saw a band once and I liked it, I'd, I'd go again next time. You know, it's... So the list gets bigger and longer and longer.
0: Yes, absolutely. So is it the case then, just curious about your attic and all these diaries, is it the case then with all the other, you know, with the rest of the diaries? They could be, I'm not saying, you know, suggesting it, but a a similar narrative and a, a similar other, another book that could be focused on another band.
1: I don't think I wrote about other bands as detailed as about, as about the Comfort Angels. Right. But that is also because they were here every five minutes. So there's a lot of pages about them because they were here all the time. And other bands came over once a year. So, you know, you never... The frequency helped the, the fanaticism on my part.
0: Yes, well, absolutely. And with 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 once the book has sort of being published. How can people get a copy of it by the way?
1: Well, um if they wanted to, they could get one from me directly. Um Inge van Sombria, which is my writer's name. It's not my real name, but it's my writer's name. Um has a page on Facebook. And yep. if you drop me a message there, I'll I'll send you one. But I think you can also get it from Amazon or you can even get it from the publisher directly which is called aspect in Holland. Um, I think if you just google for the title and and my name, I'm I'm sure you'll find a list of where to get it, but I say to people if you'd like, you know, the book to be dedicated to you with my autograph underneath, then drop me a line on Facebook. Use it finding the Inga Sombria page.
0: Yes, well, I'll put a little link in the notes below. But um, it was a nice little bit you have towards the end, where the, the band sort of on you know the 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 day Sunday the twenty sixth of April, where they yeah. have that you haven't seen them their first gig in fourteen years. Can you remember yeah. that experience and the anticipation oh. of it?
1: Oh, like yesterday, yeah. No, that was that was the highlight of this century so far. I think. Um, Well, they, they dropped hints that they, you know, they were approached by somebody who wanted to put them back together for one gig at a festival in Sheffield. And then they said, yes, and they thought, maybe not. Well, maybe we will, maybe we won't. So for a year, it was like, well, will they, won't they? So I didn't dare to sort of start hoping or um, looking forward. But in the end, they did say they were going to do it. And from then on, you know, I was just counting down, really. And, um, (laughs) yeah, oh, three months to go, two months to go, one month to go. And the nice thing about that was that... um, I met a lot of um, new, or new to me, Comsat fans that I didn't know existed because my circle had been basically Dutch people. And here people came from all over the planet. It was amazing. There were people from America and Canada and Australia flying over for this one gig because it was a band they'd never managed to see before and they had all the records and they were huge fans. And finally they got a chance to see this band live so the excitement in the audience you know it was unbearable people were just ecstatic and and there were people just falling around each other's necks and 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 crying and wiping their eyes and you know <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was it was it was almost like a sort of religious gathering in a way it was the, the die hard concert fans of which I had no exist didn't had no idea that they existed, and suddenly here they were from all over the world, and it became a sort of big family thing. And um, I'm still, you know, friends with a lot of those people that I met for the first time. Yes. After the band had up for 15 years, so that was really weird.
0: I would imagine very weird. Did you? Because I know a couple of them have still got solo projects. I know Stephen. And- yeah. Um brought yep. an album out very recently do you do you sort of follow all their kind of creative Absolutely.
1: And- yeah yeah i do and i oh I love that album too. that was a great album and um well i'm I'm always you know i'm I'm an optimistic type of person, so I'm always hoping there'll be another one or somebody else will write something or um but I keep following what they do, even, I mean, a, a couple of the bands don't do anything professionally, but they still jam together every week, just for the fun of playing together. Oh. And uh, yeah, not that, I don't think anything's going to come of it, basically, but you don't know, but no. they might. You know, at least they are still playing together just for fun because they enjoy playing together, and so I I tried to keep up with all that.
0: Stuff. Yes, well that would be very exciting. I I, did a, I had a sort of moment like that when I did an interview a few years ago with a, a member. I think it was the drummer of the Sundays, and they suddenly he suddenly said, "Yeah, yeah, occasionally sort of we've done a little few things with you know Harriet and." her chap, you know, the guitarist. But, you know, it might just be just a little bit of just tinkering around. But you just think, oh, and wonder if there's that little temptation to just mm-hmm. re- record another one. Which members of the Comsats are still sort of tinkering together?
1: I think um, Andy Peake and Terry Todd are, are playing every week and just jamming. And I think they are also in a sort of covers band that occasionally plays in a pub to just play covers by other people. um, And I know that Andy Peake and Terry Todd and Terry Todd's wife uh, have formed, uh, well, various things, really. There's there's albums sort of by their own band. They also play in a sort of um, strange orchestra type of thing. And um, they're very busy. They... They, they're very creative and and make a lot of music. It's just on a, on a smaller scale, really. Yes. And it's very, very different from Comsat music. It doesn't sound like that at all. Mm. But it's always interesting to see what people do.
0: Yes, ab- no, absolutely. Well, one thing I've noticed with doing these interviews with bands from the 80s is that there's often been a bit of a gap of 20, 30 years, but the members sometimes just think, oh, it was quite good fun. And, you know, they... I mean they just I mean they're quite careful about what they want to do but there's a, there's a sort of sense of like we played music together and we were quite good at it or very good at it and um, yeah and that little bit of temptation I'm, you know I'm thinking of bands like the Darling Buds or the Primitives and yeah. people who sort of yeah. thought well we'd like to play the odd concert because it was good fun and then a couple of you know the occasional re- you know release the Pop Guns are just brought out a, a single recently and do, doing some dates it's surprising how many people just want to play for the fun of it because it's it's not going to be a career it's not going to be any great you know prize at the end of it but it's just the enjoyment so um you never know do you
1: well i think if you've been in a band for that long and you've made records and you know the ins and outs why throw all that knowledge away as well you know you know a lot about it really so um and if you still enjoy playing and you can find people to play with and you have a lot of fun together then i applaud it really
0: Yes, well, I know. This is great. But look, thank you again so much. I'm pleased this phone. Actually, the, the quality of this has been fantastic. So I'm quite pleased with this. But yeah, thanks for persevering. Sorry about the um, the connection. It occasionally happens. I don't know why, but um, yeah. something down the line. Can you, can you tell me
1: what happens now? Are you going to? sort of edit it and, and, and take out interesting bits and, and play records in between or how, how this house is? Well, working. normally
0: what I do, because actually people quite like, you know, for, for for one part of it, I will probably put out the majority as just one take so that people can just mm-hmm. hear the story. Because actually then, um, yes, it's, it's quite focused and people can then go, oh, I must go and find that book and go and buy it. Yeah. And, and I might use some bits of it for a another show which i do on future radio which is quite nice as well which again um is a little bit smaller but i think to be honest what i found with doing my interviews is that people they go, oh david's found such and such a person from a band and they're just really interested in that band because i have done an interview with one of the members i think it was kevin actually bizarrely and um so i did that interview i'm sure it was kevin and so people just go, oh, I love that band." Oh, it's Kevin. Never mind. It's still good enough. And um, you know, it's it's he's still got, but he's still got the story. You know what I mean? He's got the story. And funny enough, I haven't. Um, I I have tried contacting the other members, but nothing ever happened. I think.
1: Um, oh, uh,
0: I don't know. Well, the... I, can
1: put in, I can put in a word for you
0: well, if you wanted to. Well, that, yeah, that... I mean.
1: If you... You know, if he if he send me a message, I can pass it on.
0: Oh well, then that would be amazing because um, I think yeah. I tried. I think, because st- it took ages, and one day, I think, you know, it's like with this, because I've done, I've nearly done over a 1,000 interviews, so it's quite a lot. But, you yeah. know, occasionally, I really want that band. You know, I can't sleep until I've found a member of that band. I don't really care which member it is in the end. Um, and it's really nice, because sometimes they haven't been interviewed for 30, 40 years, and they have they have that story. They have the story. and Absolutely. And 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 they know it really well. It doesn't matter which member it is; they've lived it so much. And um, mm. and you think, great, I've got it. And I think with um, Kevin, he introduced me to another book that um, he was involved with. Well, he recommended a book that it, uh, to, mm. from a, an, a musician from another band, which was quite nice. And he was delightful. So, um, but yes. Okay. So I'll I'll send you a message, and if you do pass it on to any of the others, that would be brilliant. No. But because sometimes. Tell me.
1: Tell me which one you want me to send it to, because I've got everyone's email address, so I can just. <laughs> well, know, if, if you if you want to write want to write a different message to Steve than to, you know, than to Andy Peak or something, then send me two messages and I'll pass them on. Yeah, well, that would be of,
0: brilliant. Would you say those two uh, would be particularly interesting?
1: I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Um, um Micklaysia, the drummer, he doesn't really. I think he's left music behind him a bit, but yes. it might be. Who knows? You might awaken him. Yeah, so, because actually,
0: because um, you mentioned um, sad lovers and giants, and I managed to get a member yeah. of that band, and then because this is you another... had
1: the other Snake I saw on on your page. You had an interview <laughs> with someone from Snake Corps.
0: Yes, that's it. Yeah, so I was very pleased with that. So, um, so yeah,
1: that, that's linked, isn't it? Yeah,
0: and they just played in Poland. So um, there you go. So. I... Yeah, I, I so so it's quite nice, you know, I keep, I can't stop really, I keep thinking, oh yes, that band, that band, you know, <laughs> so yeah, and, know. and there were bands that I missed the first time, but, you know, because it was difficult to hear the music, you know, it's not like now you mm-hmm. can go, oh I can go and listen to yeah. that, it's like you read an article, you see a poster, you think, brilliant, but now yeah. I'm not I'm not going to spend £5 because I don't know if I'm going to like the album, so. um Fine. Yeah, it you know, because of course, you know, the NME would rave about an album, you buy it and you think, oh, this is terrible. This is the worst record I've ever heard and I spent five quid on it. Oh, I feel so annoyed. And the
1: other way around, and the other way around, because the NME was really slagging off people that I really liked. Yes. So,
0: um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so that wasn't a very good go-to place, but all I wanted to hear was the first 30 seconds probably. I went, OK, this is all right. But sometimes you went, oh, no, I'm not. Keen on this at all? This is not what I expected. Yeah. But, but then you know, yeah. there, there were a lot of bands that I think, oh my god, they are so amazing! It blows my mind. Yeah. So we I know there's so much choice. There is so much choice, and I, I'm sort of constantly trying to, yeah, just think I must get another. I must get an interview with that Mutt Pelson before too long. Anyway, so look, so that so what I can do, I'll, I'll send you an email, which would be amazing if you could do that because um, yeah. that would be magic and. What I'll do, I can send you the link, and then you can put it on your social media platform yep. sites. Because it'd be lovely for people to see the book. Because I have to say, it's it's absolutely gorgeous, and I think it's a great a great thing to do. And
1: it, it, it looks good, doesn't it? I it, mean, I'm really pleased with the cover, and because I didn't, I have nothing to do with the cover. I mean, they they gave me designs, and I said I don't like this bit, and I do like that bit, but they came up with the you know, eventual cover. And I think
0: it's brilliant. Yes. It's, um, I, it's no, I just, I just think the whole thing is absolutely stunning. I think it's such a, it's such a special thank thing because not many people have done this. And I think that makes yeah. it special. And to be so focused on the concert angels is just also amazing. You know, it's um, brilliant. So uh, there you go. Well, thank you. Yeah, no, thank well you. done. It's been, it's it's great, but look, thank you. It's been lovely talking to you. And um sorry absolutely. about the, our, um, connection at the beginning but anyway i
1: think think it was me it was my fault so um yeah i don't i hope the the wi-fi improves
0: yeah well no that's fine but but to be honest i used to always find anyone in new york new york used to have terrible wi-fi and um that used to be really hitting me so i hope i think that's improved a bit now but i remember a few years ago it was like oh no not new york that's terrible. <laughs> it's really surprising, isn't it? But anyway, look, thank you ever so much. But yeah, I'll uh, I'll let you rock on. But again, yes, I'll have a listen to your three top songs. Um, and
1: yes. well, have a listen to everything because they're brilliant. Yes, they had a little dip in the middle. The sort of there was a there was um the 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 mid the mid section of albums is not as good as the the first three and the last two, but it's okay.
0: <laughs> I know, classic classic running order, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I <laughs> yeah. know, that's well, it's Lovely, thank you for, very much for the invitation. Yes. And I hope it, it results in um, lots of people being interested.
0: Yeah, no, me too. It'd be lovely, actually, yeah. And that, dear listener, is the end of the interview, apart from a little bit of, you know, showbiz chat to finish it off. But anyway, a massive thank you to Inga for giving me the time for that book. And the publication, which is titled Band Fans Friends Music, which is a memoir of po- post-punk music and especially the Comsat Angels. I'll give you a link in the notes below. If you, This is the C86 show, David E. So if you want to contact me, you can on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, just do C86 show. And um, all these interviews have been archived. Aren't you lucky? On Spotify, iTunes, Podbeam. It's true. Have a great week. Stay safe.